We are the second week into a series called Removing the Rocks. The idea with this series, Removing the Rocks, is that um, we're looking at the idea that, that Jesus taught that if you believe in him, then st- he said streams of living water will flow out from your belly. And by that, he was talking about the Holy Spirit, who's often symbolized by water because water brings life and the Spirit of God brings life. And so he said, if you believe in me, then, then the Spirit of God will flow out from your belly. And it's then a, a stunning picture of the Christian life, which is not about trying harder in your own effort to get right with God. The Christian life is coming to, coming to the Lord, recognizing that you need forgiveness, that you can't do it on your own, that you're morally, spiritually speaking, you're a lost cause and you need grace and mercy. So you come to the cross where the debt for your sin was paid. You, you lay a hold of Jesus and he gives you the Holy Spirit as a gift to come and dwell in you and make you a brand new person. Hallelujah. And there's a flow to that. There's a gracious flow to it. It's a gift. It's not... It's not must try harder. There's, it, of course, it involves the engagement of our whole being, but there's a dynamic going on where the Spirit of God is flowing into and out of us. You haven't got to crank it up. It's the work of God. However, you can quench the Spirit. You can grieve the Spirit. You can, through stuff you either, either sort of wrong thinking or sort of things you, you, you're into, you can hinder the flow of the Spirit. So you begin to feel like, man, it's, it doesn't... It doesn't feel like what Jesus said it would be like. Anyone ever thought that? It doesn't feel like what Jesus said it would be like. And so what we want to do through this series is just look at what are, what are the rocks that we can put in the way that can get in, get in the way of the flow of the Holy Spirit so that we can say, oh, that shouldn't be there. And we can remove it and get it out of the way so that the, the Spirit can flow fully in our lives. So really that's the idea with this series, removing the rocks for six weeks. Um, I hope you all enjoyed and appreciated Mac Tuno and his testimony last week. We're making this a very uh, testimonial, lots of testimonies going to try and weave in um, to the sermons over these weeks just to help really ground it, make it concrete in terms of um, experience. So last week's um, we called last week's rock sort of um, creating our own systems, creating our own holding pots. So rather than going to him for life, um, creating our own things, uh, looking elsewhere for life. Um, and that, that scripture in Jeremiah, which where God says, you've, you've forsaken me. I'm the fountain of living water. You've created your own systems and they're broken and they don't hold any water. So it was a powerful testimony last week. If you weren't here, please uh, listen to the podcast. Um, the rock this week is what I'm calling believing the wrong story. Believing the wrong story. Now I want to talk for a few minutes about believing and a few, few minutes about story and then bring the two things together and hopefully it will begin to make sense as I talk more and more. When we say believe, we tend to think, agree to a few facts. So believe in Jesus, so kind of say, okay, yes, I believe Jesus was real historical and that he died on a cross and that he rose again. Now, that is important if you're going to trust in Christ that you believe the facts of the gospel. Of course it is. But it's much more than just saying, okay, yes, I believe that. I've sat with people that have said, well, I believe those things are true, but there's no difference in my life. Now, maybe the reason is that the word believe biblically is much more than just simply agreeing to some facts. It's about entrusting yourself to a message. Entrusting yourself to the truth of a message, entrusting yourself to a person saying, I put my trust in you. That's a whole different dynamic from believing a few facts. And that's why belief to believe in Jesus makes so much difference, because actually the reality is, is that the power of belief does shape your whole life. 
for the last few years, we've had the, um, I don't know what the word is, the opposite word of privilege of being exposed to the movement that calls itself, you know, well, it's known as ISIS. And there's been so much discussion, debate on radio and television about it. Um, But when you listen to people that really know what they're talking about, what they say is this. They say, these people's actions are completely in line with what they believe. So the actions are horrific, but they are very, very consistent with what they believe. And until until you actually go after the ideology, until you go after the belief system, you're never going to stop those actions. Because here you have an outstanding example of a people that are shaped entirely by belief. Their values, what they would consider to be important and not important, what they consider okay or not okay, what they consider right and wrong, are shaped by an ideology. Now that's extreme. But sometimes you have to hold up an extreme to make a point. All of us are shaped by an ideology. All of us live out of what we believe. All of us do. Even if it feels vague, and you, you've never even, you couldn't even articulate how you understand life. Maybe you're here, you, maybe you say, oh, I'm not actually a believer in Jesus, but I'm, I'm here because I'm interested, I want to find out more. And I said, what do you believe? He said, I don't really know. Nevertheless, you have a set of values, things you will do and things you won't do, things you think are good and things you think are bad. And if we had some time, we could drill into what those values are based in, and it would be to do with your beliefs. And so what you believe is huge. So you believe the wrong story. Your life's going to look in a bad way. Now, I want to talk about story for a minute as well. Story, wow, the power of a story. I could say to you, Snow White, Apple, Dwarves. There's a few facts in there, but it's a long way from a story, right? You're not gripped at this point, are you? you think, what's he talking about? Snow White, Apple, Dwarves. But if I started to add to that and build on that and create a plot and add meaning to that and right and wrong to that and adventure to that and, and drama to that, you'd you well, we're in. Story. Wherever culture you go to on the planet Earth, you will find that there is story. There is a value for story, a love for story. Whether it's in poetry or song or prose, every culture loves a story. Story transcends culture. The reason why is this. We are in a story. A story, essential to a story is meaning. Essential to a story is start, middle, end. We live in the most remarkable, rich, multi-layered story that's ever been told. It's God's story, history. How you understand yourself and where you fit into that. How you understand creation and the universe and where, what fits into that. All these things are things people wrestle with. Why? Because stories about meaning. And if you was to drill down in, in, in any human soul, the, the deeper you get, the more there's this sense of meaning. What does this mean? We love, we love symbols because symbols mean something. We love, we love understanding. Where does that fit in with that? And what does that mean? And how does that connect together? Because we are driven by meaning. Story gives facts meaning. Snow White, apple, dwarves. Few facts, few words, meaningless. You start to tell the story. Oh, I understand what this is about now. This is about beauty. This is about jealousy. This is about right and wrong. This is about community. It begins to mean something and then it comes alive. It's because God is, God is the source of all meaning. And we live right bang in the middle of a very, 
very dramatic story. Now, I would go as far as to say this. The meaning that we attach to the events in our lives are probably, is probably more powerful than the event itself. Whether you go big or whether you go small. So I'll give you a, a big example uh, from scripture. And, and obviously this happens across the world many, many times over tragically. But the situation of someone who loses a child. Now to lose a child is terrible enough. The, 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 the pain is acute. I can't begin to imagine. I've sometimes found myself in that daydream. And, and you catch yourself when you're in a state and it's not even happened. The thought of it is, 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 is hard to fathom. Um, someone loses a child in, in scripture. And it's a, woman, it's, a, it's a woman who has become acquainted with Elijah. And um, she's a widow and she's acquainted with Elijah. And she, has this, she has this child. And um, we're told this. This isn't today's scripture. I'm just, this is all the intro. <laughs> it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, listen, she's had the prophet around. She's enjoyed his company. She's blessed him. He's blessed her. But her son dies. Listen to what she says to him. It's fascinating. She says, what have I to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity, my sin, to remembrance and to put my son to death. She has attached a meaning to an event. You understand that? The son's died. That's the fact. She's, she started going, why has this happened? What's going on? And she's come to the conclusion it's because this prophet is here and he's holy. He serves a holy God. And do you remember that thing I did 10 years ago? It's because of that. It's because of that. This is my fault. You see what she's done? She's attached to meaning to this terrible situation, which in and of itself would have been awful. But now it's unbearable because now it's my fault. And I remember hearing an interview on the radio a few years ago of a man who lost his son in a very high profile, very high profile case in the UK about the 1980s. They're speaking to him 20 years on. His marriage has fallen apart. And he just cannot let himself off the hook. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. And you look at the facts, there's nothing there to suggest. But the message, the meaning, the, the message that has come into his soul and he's there 20 years on is, that is your fault. And it's shaped his whole life. Or it could be something small. You walk into a party. You're a little bit low, a little bit tired. And uh, people are already chatting in groups. And you, you go there, you feel like a bit of a spare part. Everyone's having a good time in a conversation. You don't quite know where you fit. You wander around in circles for a few minutes. You think, I'll blow this. You go home. And then it starts. You are so socially awkward. You couldn't even, you couldn't even last more than 10 minutes. There's something deeply wrong with you. Those people don't really love you. You're not a part of that. Do you understand? You see what's going on there? It's quite an innocent situation, to be honest. People were already chatting. They were involved in the conversation. They didn't notice you. You were a bit tired, under didn't maybe feel that confident to get involved. And then, and then you just think, I'll blow this. And then the messages start, you see? And you put an interpretation on it. It's a hundred times what it was. And you can go down a really nasty road or you're out of work. You're out of work, you've sent a few applications, no one's even responded, you start thinking, I'm unemployable. Totally ridiculous, but you start thinking, I'm unemployable. Or I've never been good with words, my application was useless. It's all right for other people. And you go down a road and you're attaching a meaning to something that's way beyond what the thing is. What you believe is absolutely massive. 
shapes everything about you. Now, here's the deal. God's aim is for us to truly understand what's going on. It's called the truth. (laughs) Jesus said, when you know the truth, it will set you free. Okay, when you know the truth, it sets you free. So when, when Jesus says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever trusts in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. There's a nice bit of truth in there. Yeah, and God says, I want you to know that I so love the world. You're part of that world. I love you. I've given my son for you. All you've got to do is genuinely entrust your whole being to him and you will have eternal life as a gift and not perish. Wow. You believe that, that sets you free. You reach out to Jesus. You say, I'm going to take your word on that. I'm taking that check to the bank. Tell you what, you, you live in the good of that. You go, wow, this is amazing. You know the truth. And it sets you free. But God's got so many things to say, not mostly about Jesus, but then it's how, who are you in Jesus? And what does your life mean in Jesus? And it makes this beautiful, stunning picture of meaning and purpose and fruitfulness and glorious liberty. Satan, on the other hand, is all about deception. Now, I'm going to speak a little bit about Satan. If you're not used to that, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not really sorry, but if you're not used to that, uh, I don't know, uh, something nice. Blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> um, it's just, I'm not gonna, we're not going to go all weird, heads twisting around. It's just, just, look at what the Bible says, right? So don't, don't worry. But it says in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, it says this, it says, it's a very important scripture. Make sure I read it, get it right. Uh, verse 14 says, <clears throat> even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Now, what does the word angel mean? Messenger. Messenger. So even Satan disguises himself as a messenger from God. Now, if Satan sort of... Spiritual realities are often subtle. You do get the dramatic moments, but most of the time it's just a subtle thing going on. Okay? Um, What thought, what message you believe in your mind? Stuff like that. And so Satan would love to come along and spin you a story, tell you a story that seems true but isn't true. And, and if you believe it, it takes you down some really nasty dead ends. That's what he loves to do. Attach a meaning to something that would just draw you to a real cul-de-sac. And you go, how did I get here? Really nasty, dark, oppressive kind of thoughts and ideas. Okay? That's just the reality. So not to scare you, but it's important that your guard's up to protect your mind and understand and learn to discern what's from God and what isn't. I want, the Bible says that we're not to be unaware of his schemes. So there is a subtlety there. Um, he doesn't come, you know, it's not like an apparition in a red suit, you know, with a forked tail. You're going to know what that is, right, if you saw that. You're going to say, hold on a minute, it looks like the devil. <laughs> I'm not going to believe that. But a really, a really, a little whisper in the mind, just attach a little bit of meaning to that moment now. Bring a bit of oppression, bring a bit of deception. Bring a, bit, bring a bit of unnecessary sadness. Bring a bit of heaviness. He's an expert at that. Absolute expert at that. Which is why Jesus says this, when you abide in my word, not just like read, it, read the Bible sometimes, when you abide in my word, you let it get into you. Then you'll know the truth. Something, there's something to do if you want to know the truth. When you abide, you'll know it and it'll set you free. So when this word is in me and, and the nonsense thoughts come in, I know what to do when the words. Do you know what I'm saying? I know. I think, hold on a minute. That doesn't line up. That doesn't line up. 
we're protected, you see. So it's not like trying to scare, be a scaremonger, but it's reality and it's important that we understand how this thing works. Now today's scripture, I'm going to spend five minutes on it and then interview my lovely wife. She's very exciting to talk about an experience that, uh, that she's had with God through this kind of thing. Um, so here we go, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I think it should be, is it all right? Uh, oh great, thanks Nick. So, for though we walk in the flesh, should we read it together? Let's read it out loud together, shall we? For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Word of God. Father, I just pray you'd help me unpack this really clearly and helpfully in the next few minutes. Amen. So I just want you to follow this through, okay? So Paul's saying, look, we are involved in warfare, but it's not natural warfare. When we sing about God's enemies, we're not singing about people, okay? We're singing about um, dark spiritual powers, okay? So there is a warfare going on, but it's not in a natural sort of way, fleshy sort of way. It's a spiritual thing. We have weapons for this warfare. They're not like natural weapons, natural guns and things, no. But they have divine power to destroy strongholds. And that word there, strongholds, what is that? Here's what it is. Another translation might say fortresses. And the idea is, is this, is that imagine you're in a city in the old days and your city has been attacked by an opposing army. And the opposing army get through, they get over the walls, they get in and they now occupy this city. And you think, what are we going to do? You may run to a tower of refuge or a fortress or a, a stronghold in that city where you then hole up and try to kind of remain safe in there from this new army and maybe your friends will, you know, maybe another army will come and rescue you. So you try and hole up in there. So even though this city now belongs to the new occupying force, there's this tower in the city which is still occupied by the old force and it's trying to exercise some kind of either influence or some kind of, we're going to stay here. Um, We're not going to give way easily to the new power. It's a very, very insightful picture to when you become a Christian. A new power comes. Jesus comes with his wonderful, liberating lordship and he sets you free. You belong to him now. But, you know, there's old ways of thinking, often dark ways of thinking, that try to hole up in places in your mind and say, we're not going to give in that easily. We're going to hole up here and try to continue to exert influence, even though we know the actual war's over and and Jesus has won. There's an attempt. You see what's going on? You understand that? You see, what Paul says is this. He says, we destroy arguments, lofty opinions, take every thought captive. Spiritual warfare happens primarily in there. It's the main place it happens. Your perception of events. Have you ever sat with someone who really struggles with paranoia? It's heartbreaking. I mean, it's heartbreaking. You see it sometimes. I remember being you know, in a queue in Starbucks and someone was in front of me and, um, and, and there was the interaction between her and the person behind the bar. And the person there got really offended and started bad-mouthing and saying how rude they were. I saw the whole thing. Nothing happened. I saw the whole thing. There was no rudeness at all. But, but there was this kind of wonky outlook, you know, where a person's almost looking for someone to, I don't know. And it, it was, wow, this is scary. That place in your mind where things can just get really out of, out of kilter um, and, and, and really kind of in a place where you think, I, what, this, is, this doesn't feel positive. This doesn't feel life-giving. And so there is a spiritual element to what goes on in the mind. And it's not only that. Okay, it's not only that. There are all kinds of other things involved. But there's definitely a spiritual element 
to what goes on in the mind. And if we ignore that, then we, we end up sort of being, being not as wise as we could be. So it's ever so important that we, that we understand that. I love this verse because it says, the weapons that God's given us are powerful to knock these things down. Okay? Now, that means that God has equipped us. He's equipped us with the truth. He's equipped us with the gospel. He's, he's equipped us with prayer. Now, and then the list, of, the list of things in Ephesians 6, the armor that he's given us. He's equipped us with salvation. We can put it on like a helmet to protect our mind. He's equipped us with a gift of righteousness. We can put it to protect our heart. When our heart gets accused, you know, you think, oh, gosh, where is me? You think, actually, Jesus has made me righteous as a gift. It's an armor that God has given us, whereby we can, we can say, all right, the city, the city now belongs to Jesus. The city that is me now belongs to Jesus. But you know what? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna clear some stuff out of the way so that the, the, new, the, the new life that Jesus has brought in can be fully expressed. That's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. But what I want to do now, I want to interview uh, Davina just to talk about some of the something that she, the experience that, that she's had, and therefore, obviously, we've had this as my wife, in case you don't know. Uh, and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna do some application at the end. Okay, so please give it up for the lovely Davina. Okay. Thanks, sir. Cheers. Here we go. I'll bring it up for you. Well done. Oh, it's a groaning. Getting old we are. Some wrinkly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrinkly. Right. How are we getting wrinkly? Hello, right. everybody. Hi. This is Davina. So we've been, um, we've been married for 20 years in July last year. Yeah, yes, yes, we were 12 when we got married. I know we're not old enough. Uh, so, um, right, so I'm just going to ask... We've obviously gone through these questions already and you had time to think about it. So I'm going to just give you a chance to share with the guys, you know, what, what's going on. So if you could just start a, um, for 10, just very, very briefly at this point, what happened in July? Oh, is that the first question? Yes, I told you that. <laughs> that's not the first okay. that wasn't just the give first us a minute. Question. Give us a minute. What was the first question? All right, take two, take two, take two. Davina. <laughs> I did, it's true. Shall I just get on with it? Take two and action. <laughs> you can Davina. tell we don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie. Oh, dearie. Tell okay. us about life before July. <laughs> well, do you know what? Um, so Steph said he's going to ask the first question and only spend, you know, a couple of minutes on it. But actually... I'm just going to... Well, no, that's because that was for the real first question. Was it? <laughs> this know. is the fake first question. Anyway, so you okay. spend long on this one. It's good. This is, is that good. okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. So w- what was life like? Well, I wanted to start actually with lots of different starts because um, good stories often have lots of different beginnings and, um, and life is just, it's, it's not linear, is it? Well, my life is not linear. <laughs> don't know about yours. So, okay. Uh, here's one beginning. Um, I remember um, talking to my GP and crying and, um, and saying, I, I don't know who I am. I don't know if I'm depressed. I don't know if I'm an insomniac. I don't know if I'm an introvert. I have no idea what is going on. Uh, here's another 
beginning. Um, in the early days of our marriage, um, not that I've had any others, but anyway, <laughs> in, the, in the early days of uh, being married to Steph, uh, he, he, he said to me, wow, you are so negative about everything. And, and I just, um, over the years, just brushed it off and said, no, no, I'm just, I'm just a realist, you know, just telling it how it is. Um, another beginning would be um, I started a new job in September 2016 and in every area it was absolutely perfect. Uh, the commute, the staff, the kids, the work I did, it was insanely perfect. Um, another beginning was in uh, December 2016, well, it was Christmas, family around, and I'm chatting to them about keeping a journal. And it's like, who keeps journals? I can't keep a journal. I've tried many times. And I'd start writing a journal, and, um, and I'd spend all day writing about the day. So then the journal became unsustainable, so I couldn't write one. And I said, what would happen if we started a journal and actually all we wrote down was just one sentence... And that was it. Just a sentence a day, a sentence to encapsulate or sum up what had gone on in that day. And, uh, and I did that. So I'm going to read some things from that journal. Oh, gosh. It's going to scare you. Oh, man, it's bad. So what was life like? Okay, so um, life for me was hideously negative. Um, I was hideously negative about myself. I'd been bullied at school, I'd been bullied at college, and I just lived in um, a, a world of just, um, I don't know, satanic lies. So uh, the 5th of January, dark satanic lies, 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 damned lies. How long will I be subject to how badly I'm doing, that I'm no good, that I'm a failure? Debilitating, crippling lies demonic lies 17th of january i have been beset by hideous all-consuming cell-destroying horizon-filling lies first of february 26th of march i am so tired i'm sad i'm so sad and i'm tired i am all bent out of shape i am exhausted such a chronic lack of confidence this is the 1st of May and the 5th of May. Demonic lies regarding work. I am a, in a constant fog of getting the sack, not being good enough. Contrasted with the work that I do, which is really good. Um, any more? Let's see if I can find some more that will... Yeah, just locked in a mental battle. Oh, I sit in judgment, 16th of June, I sit in judgment in myself, on myself. I am rubbish, and some words that I won't repeat in a school hall, and a waste of space. I feel like a child, I'm muzzled, I'm robbed of a voice, and I'm forgetful. 10th of July, auditory hallucinations. So we sort of connected with a, a psychiatrist. Auditory hallucinations derogatory, offensive words, a barrage of them. Um, so uh, I remember working with a student and um, he turned to me and said, Miss, that was amazing. 
And at the same time, I heard this voice telling me, uh, I don't know, basically just die. Just horrendous. So uh, what was life like? So we limited all that we should do in the home because, uh, you know, Steph's a bit busy with um, all you guys out there. And uh, so we we didn't have many meetings in the home. Um, I just limited myself to, okay, God has equipped me for life and godliness, so scripture says. So um, I will look after um, my husband and my kids and, um, and love people as best I can, and I'll be kind and generous and uh, do what I can and go to work and come home. But I'm living in this, in this stuff. I think I've answered your question. Yeah. Have I answered it? You've answered it. Oh, no, I haven't. Can Not I answer quite. a bit more? One more bit. Okay. Okay, Psalm 91. So, you know, you know yeah, I just have to cling on to Scripture. When you, when you can't see, when you cannot see the evidence before you, when you can't experience the stuff that... You know, scripture says, the preacher says, your friends say, you, you have to cling on to, you know, the irrefutables, and that's scripture. Yeah. So, uh, so Psalm 91, um, I would hold on to this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence he will cover you with feathers and under his wings you will find refuge his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart your you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrows that fly by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday if you say the lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling place no harm will overtake you no disaster will come near your tent he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone you will tread on the lion and the cobra you will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me says the lord i will rescue him i will protect him for he acknowledges my name he will call on me and i will answer him I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I tell you, he didn't. I clung on to those words and he didn't. He was quiet. You know, when it says, uh, surely he will save you, it was like I was being taunted. Will he save me? I don't know. cried out for the rescue of God and I didn't get it and I'd cry out again and again and again and he was so quiet you know there's a story of um Jesus in the boat with the disciples and there's a massive storm and he's fast asleep and the disciples are uh petrified of the storm and uh, and they wake, you know, Jesus up and, and he says, oh, such little faith and then quietens the storm. And I tell you, Jesus, it, it was like he, 
He was not even awake. He would not wake up and say, oh, you have little faith. He would not shut that storm. He wouldn't shut it down. One of my good friends, she said, I'm grieving. I'm grieving so much. I'm crushed and I cannot, I cannot bring any words to my mouth. That is how I felt. Was how life was like. We can do real. That's one thing we can do. (laughs) We're not perfect, but we can do real. Um, So what happened in July? (laughs) <laughs> oh, what happened in July? Is that the question? That's the question. Is that the first question? Probably have to, yeah, yeah. Speed up, speed well, up. Just, okay. just, just with, maybe with this one, because I think the, sec- the, the, the final question after this, we could have a little bit longer on that one. Okay, all right. What happened in July? Okay. So what happened in July? So um, things got really bad and, you know, this job was really perfect and, and yet everything seemed really bad. And that's when I knew things aren't right. We, we, um, so we, we wanted to look at things like in terms of my mental health, my spiritual health and my physical health. So uh, we just got some people on board there. And one of them was uh, a woman called Angela Kem, who you may, may know. She operates in the relational mission realm. Um, I first got to meet her and work with her, actually, in 1996 in South Africa. Anyway, so um, I went to see her because um, she's like she's like the Apostle Paul in a skirt. So she is she is doing the stuff. She's doing the stuff. She's a freedom fighter. She she's um yeah she's she's all right. She is. So um so I go I go and see her armed with. Uh, just the, 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 the key bad days and the key scriptures that I was holding on to. Um, and I go in and see her and, uh, and, and, and I, t- I, t- I show her a video. I show her a video of um, this king being um, exorcised. And I say, I, I want that. I want to be free. This is from the Lord of the Rings. And, um, and we have a good old laugh. Uh, watching that and uh, and I tell her this is what I want I want my confidence back I want to be hospitable I want to be happy I want to um yeah just have all the good stuff and uh, and I told her you know about these questions am I am I am, am I depressed am I an insomniac am I an introvert what's wrong with me who am I um so she then does this so she she breaks um let me see so she said basically that I, I've been tormented and lied to over the years. And, and she, she quotes this scripture from Songs of Songs. Um, the little foxes have destroyed the vineyard. So um, the vineyard being me. And I've had lots of little foxes that have, uh, lots of little lies that have just run around and had freedom uh, to just, you know, do their stuff. So lies from secondary school, that bullying, lies from... Um, the college I went to where I was just tormented for two years by this particular guy. Um, and, uh, she, so she, so she, uh, she broke the power of the familiar spirit. And cause I would hear this stuff and, uh, it was like, Oh, that sounds familiar. Oh, it must be true. No, that familiar spirit was telling me all the lies that I'd heard from when I was at school and la la la. Uh, so she um, she broke. Let me see. She, she yeah she broke the the spirit of deception and the spirit of death over me because I'd sort of uh, 
yeah, I, I, you know, I, I wanted non-existence, you know, I just, and so, you know, and some trauma, traumatic things had happened. And so, you know, the enemy gets in on that as well. So, um, I think, I think essentially that's it. Uh, yeah. I mean, she, she, she said, she, she summed it up as a, I, I take these lies and I, I, and I would hold on to them and turn them into some sort of weapon and inflict them upon myself. The enemy really wasn't doing very much, you know. I mean, I, I really was tormenting myself. Um, I think that's it. Is that okay? Great. Yeah. Okay. Davina, Hi. tell us about life since July. Uh, <laughs> running man, running man, running man. <laughs> I'm doing the running man in my heart. Oh, gosh. So, um, what can I say? So much. It's so different. It's like... uh, uh, I'm I'm speechless and it's hard to define. Uh, I think, golly, is life really this good? That's generally what I think. Uh... Um, when I when I read over my journal, I I I cannot recognise the person that wrote those sentences. Um, it's just extraordinary, just extraordinary. Um, right. Um, so so now, what is life like? So, um, gosh, I don't I don't even know what to say. Golly, golly, golly! Right, come on, get get my act together. Are you an insomniac? Okay. All right. So. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, well, uh, hold, 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 easy, easy tigers, um, I, I, I want to be able to explain it well, so you get it, um, help me get this right, so I'm not an insomniac, I'm not depressed, and I'm not an introvert, so if, if you have a long period of time not sleeping, you, you're going to feel quite down and quite flat. And, uh, and, then, and then you, you have a, a long period of time not sleeping and feeling down, not flat. You really don't want many people around you, yeah? So, so you can sort of see insomnia, depression, introvert. You can see how they link together. But um, I'm going to give you an example. So Friday night, okay, um, Friday night I sleep not one wink. I'm up all through the night, and um, and uh, and then the next day you just got to get on with it. So that Saturday, it was yesterday. You got to get on with the day. And um, uh, Levi, at some point, he says, "Oh, Mum, you look a bit sad." And I was like, "Oh, I'm just tired, babes." Um, and then um, Melody wants me to help her with her sewing machine, and and I, you know, help her. Daisy brings a friend over, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm not an introvert, so just go and say hi. But, you know, I'm, I mean, I am just shattered, absolutely shattered. L- life is very different now because the messages aren't there or the, the meaning that I would attach to those events aren't there. Right. So if, if, I, if I don't sleep, it's no biggie. I sleep as much as or as little as any other light sleeper. So, you know, you have some dealers in the night arguing over 20 quid, it wakes you up. You know, uh, um, you, you know, me. Steph snores. It's, it's not, <laughs> it, 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 I don't do that in the bedroom. No, no, no. <laughs> no it happened last night. 
you know, Steph does a bit of snoring. It's going to wake me up. Sure. You know, um, feeling a little bit hormonal. I might not get much sleep. So I sleep as much as anybody else. But it, it, what's, what's attached to that, there, there's no depression. You know, there, there, there is no introvert. In fact, actually, I'm an extrovert. <gasps> Gosh, I really love people. I love, and I'm energised. I've got lots of energy and... You know, it's just wonderful. And, and those debilitating, hideous, destructive, soul-destroying, all-consuming lies are not there. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Yeah. Wonderful. That's great. You happy to stay here for a bit? Is that right? You're right there. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Or you can yeah. come. So I just want, want to just... Help you guys in how we're going to apply this because there's two main things that went on there. One is the standing. Davina stood. She didn't give way over this season, you see, because God is sovereign over our lives and he has a schedule and he does things. There's a miracle that happened in July. Both those things are part of the Christian life. Yeah? The standing, the going through seasons where you think, oh, how much longer can I do this, Jesus? Aren't you waking up? And then the moment where he says, enough. Enough. And then you look back and you go, oh gosh, look at what you have done in me through that. I mean, Davina's conduct was absolutely extraordinary over those years. The way she would just hold on, on to God, the way she would just continue to sort of serve us as, as a family and do what she could with what she had for the church. It was absolutely stunning. But she found that through just digging deeper into the Lord, digging deeper. Do you know? So it was absolutely uh, incredible, and it's built such character in her. But there's also the Lord just says, Do you know what? No more of that. And he, he knows what he's doing. So what I don't want to do is say, hey, guys, it's Miracle Sunday. Do you know what I mean? For everyone in the room. Do you know what I mean? That would just be out of order. I don't know what God's doing. But I do believe that for some, it probably is. I believe that some of you today, God wants to say, do you know what? He's exposed something through the message, and it's like enough of that. And you get to, you get to leave it here today. For others, you know what, it may just be that you're in a bit of a battle and he's fighting for you and he's fighting with you and he's giving you armour and he's saying, I know it feels tough, but hang in there because I'm working some incredible things into you. Do you understand what I'm saying there? I don't think that's wrong to say those two things at the same time. I think that's the reality of how this thing works. And that's where we have to say, Father, I'm trusting you that you've got my life in your hands and you know what you're doing. Does that make sense? Um, I know that we've probably opened, in many ways, a can of worms in some ways. I, I get it. Um, but we, and, and it is an extreme situation. We're not saying by any means, you know, this is the model. Everyone must go through that kind of... It's just it's not the case at all. Some people do, but all of us have our battles. All of us find ourselves tempted to live out of a wrong identity, to believe stuff about ourselves or others that's just not true and doesn't lead to life. And so all of us hopefully can relate to it. I mean, Max situation was pretty extreme last week but sometimes those extreme testimonies help us to we see we see it starkly does that make sense and then we can apply it into our own lives and say how, how is this thing with me so we were talking myself Davina and Alice before the service how what's the best way to respond to something like this and what we're going to do is if I could have just a few people just help me by handing out bread and wine to where people are sitting just a few folks just jump up and do a bit of distributing is that all right so everyone's got a bit of bread and a bit of wine if the band can come up um, and also make sure you, get, you guys get some bread and wine on, on the way up. We're going we're gonna to sing the, the song, the creed, you know, where you just come, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ, where we're just going to proclaim truth. Because there's such power in proclaiming truth, amen? 
It's the truth that sets us free. So we've got to know it. We're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to take bread and wine because the, the victory that we have is all rooted in the sacrifice of Christ. So we're going to take the bread and the wine. That's where, that's where the power of God is released at the cross. Okay? That's, where, that's where the job is done. That's where Satan was essentially disarmed. So really now he's got, you know, he's got the bark but no bite because Jesus has nullified that at the cross. So we're going to take the bread and the wine to remember that. And then we're going to stand together. We're going to sing this song. And then we're going to pray for folks who want to be prayed for. Some of you might think, yeah, I'd love to receive some prayer today. I'd love to. I'd love for someone, maybe something that's been shared. It's just, you think, yeah, I'd love someone to just stand with me and pray into that. And we will look to do, to just serve you as best we can. The Bible says that when we gather together, all kinds of spiritual gifts get released. One of those gifts is miracles. All right? Uh, and the miracle is really where just God breaks in and I guess essentially just intervenes in a way that undoes the, the normal flow of things and just says, oi. <laughs> and it's like, wow, what's God done? And we believe God for that. Also, for some, it may just be we're just praying for perseverance. You just, you're not quite sure what God's doing yet, but you just know you, there's some standing to do. And we're going to look to honor and pray for you as you do that. So I'll wait till everyone's got the bread and the wine, then we'll, then we'll get going.